The Path of Resistance podcast is the podcast for people wanting to learn how living life with intentionality can lead to us living our best lives. In today's world, the norm is to follow the path of least resistance, which leads to mediocrity at best. Instead, you should strive to take the path of resistance, knowing that what's to come is sweeter than what you ever could have imagined. Join me as I interview guests who have taken the path of resistance in all areas of life and are here to share the beauty it has brought them. On this journey, you can expect to hear stories about anything from finances, faith, business, relationships, mindset, and anything in between. Let's dive in. Mark and I talk about such a wide variety of things in this episode. Mark is the pastor at the church my husband and I attend, so of course we started out talking about faith. Then we go into talking about business as Mark and his wife are getting ready to open a franchise location with a company called HTO. We finally wrap up talking about relationships. If any of those things relate to you, I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you. So I wanted to start out the podcast by asking a question that I want to start out every podcast with, which is what is an example or a time that you took the path of resistance, which led to a more beautiful result than taking the path of least resistance? Oh, I feel like uh, that's a great question, by the way. I think that is the kind of question that guru people ask others. <laughs> it really challenges them. And so I think it's a great question. And I think it's a great one for you to ask people. When you ask a question that makes people think about something like that, about themselves, and really be introspective like that, it's a good thing. So as I do that, I would say for me, I feel like, you know, at the risk of sounding kind of like a crime baby, I feel like my life has been the path of resistance. And, you know, I do feel like that that is, there's something to just following God. It just takes you to that place. I love that. I love, I love to preach. I believe that God has great things for us. I love to, to preach that to people. I want people to believe that. But I also think in the middle of those great things that God has for us, there's a tremendous amount of difficulties and things to overcome. So I would say, I guess, to be specific and answer your question, my choice of going into ministry was would definitely have been a path of resistance, for sure. Ministry throughout the last, you know, close to 30 years has, has definitely had a lot of difficult times a lot of tremendous times but it's cost my family it was hard on my family for sure uh, and so I think ultimately that would be my biggest answer to that question my, my choice to to be do ministry full-time would be my my path of greatest resistance yeah and I love that because just the little that I get to interact with you which I hope is more in the future but for background I go to Mark's church or the church that Mark preaches at and I've seen the, the beautiful results that that's led to just in our church. And so I can just imagine, even though it is hard on your family and it's hard on anyone going into ministry, that there are such beautiful things that happen because of that. So that's good. And that leads us into kind of uh, what I want to talk about today, which is you, without knowing it, kind of helped me name this podcast. Before I even had an idea that I wanted a podcast, <laughs> this happened, I would say probably a month and a half, two months ago, Mark was 
preaching and he talked about how so many people in today's world take the path of least resistance and that we should work on taking the path of resistance. And I kind of asked him about this when I asked him about being a guest and I said, I honestly, I remember you were talking about rest that day, but specifically about taking the path of resistance. Can you elaborate on what you're saying on that? Yeah, I can. And I'm, I'm super humbled that that resonated with you like that. I, I love that the Lord would use me in, in that way, because I think that there's a, a, a real calling in your life. And I think that this is a really big part of it. I think God's going to do some tremendous things with you in the future. And so it's cool to get to be a, a, a beginning part of that. I was in a really cool meeting years ago. One of the guys that I really have tremendous respect for, he said, Hey man, I want to tell you, he said, Mark called me up in front of some people. And he said, I want to tell you that I really feel like God calls you a fire starter that that's really what your anointing is, that you're always going to be in on the beginnings of things and you're going to see some some fires take off that you're not going to get to see what they turn into, but they're going to turn into some huge fires. And and I've got to see that throughout life. I, I am, I feel like I'm always in on the beginnings of things. And sometimes I kind of want to be in on the harvest time too and get to be a part of the, you know, the big stuff. But it feels like, I, you know, I do a lot of the beginnings of things. And so I feel like that's definitely the case with you. Just get to be in on the beginning of that. So ultimately what I was talking about though is I think in, in our, especially in the Christian world, in the church world, there's a, there's been a lot of change in the way the church understands God and how we relate with God. One of the things that I think has been a good change is, is us starting to see ourselves the way Christ sees us and, and understanding that we are co-heirs with Christ. I mean, man, can you imagine being a co-heir with, with the owner of everything? That's an incredible thing to, to be called. It's an incredible blessing. So what we do in the church is we take the good side of things and we want to super, super maximize those. And we tend to leave out what comes with it. And so, you know, in fact, it's funny, we were, we were just talking earlier and, and, uh, and I was talking to you about, you know, about the codfish and how the codfish, whenever they ship the codfish without their natural enemy, the catfish, the codfish don't have the same texture they don't have the same taste it, it, they're just not as good if you put them if you ship them without their natural enemy being present and so um i think we're a lot like that we need in order to get to those good things we need the rest of life and we would choose if it was up to us we would choose to to use a football analogy we would choose to live in the end zone but the reality is the end zone's not very good if you stay in it all the time. If you don't have the, the, the 30 and the 40 and the 50 yard line to contend with, then the end zone's not very good. And yeah. so you can't, you can't live in the end zone. That's, that's ultimately what that whole message is about. We have to be willing to get on the field of battle in order to, to get our hand raised, you know, in victory. And that's what he's called us to. He's called us, the scripture says that he's, called us to walk in triumphant victory but in order to walk in a triumphant victory 
you have to first go through the battles. And so what we ought to be hungry for is not necessarily just the times when our hand is raised, but we ought to be hungry for the battle because that's what takes us to the spot to where we get to have the time where our hands raised, we get to enjoy the the beautiful things and the good things that God has for us. But we ought to not just chase those things. We ought to chase life, man. And I think that ultimately has a lot more, a lot more to do with the battlefield than it does, you know, the end zone. Yeah, exactly. And just, I know like the whole point of this podcast is a big question, right? Like what is the path of resistance, but even breaking it down to relating to what you just said, following in the way that Christ wants us to live our life. Like it takes little things, right? Like the question I asked was big, but it applies to every little thing. And so like, just going back to subconsciously or intentionally, not subconsciously, but intentionally feeling worthy to live the will that God has for your life. Like that in itself is almost like a little thing, but it's so big, right? It it creates these bigger opportunities for you to live out the way that God wants you to live out. So. Yeah, Yeah, it's absolutely huge. One of the things that I think uh, really drives, especially the, especially the older Christians that have been in church for a long time. One of the things that I, I say often, I think drives a lot of them crazy is stop saying that you're an old, dirty sinner saved by grace. You are not an old, dirty sinner saved by grace. That is an absolute oxymoron. You cannot be an old, dirty sinner saved by grace. You, you, when you become, when you became saved by grace, you became the righteousness of God. You took on his divine nature. And so you, you, the scripture says, behold, all things have passed away. Everything's new. You're not an old, dirty sinner anymore. And getting, getting Christians to step out of their identity with the old person, with the old ways, and with the old, dirty, sinner part of things is a hard thing to do. And I think it has a lot. It, it, it almost sounds arrogant to, to say, You know, here I am today, Lord, the righteousness of you because of you, not because of me, because of you, whatever you want to accomplish, I'm ready for that. That, That's like, really? And people kind of roll their eyes at that. But if you don't have that mindset, you you won't accomplish what the Lord has for you. Mm -hmm. It's a a big thing. And it isn't like what will happen, like you were just saying, what will happen if we don't adopt that mindset is we will retreat away from the world. We will retreat away from life because we want to get away from all the scary, dirty things in the world. And we'll build these little holy huddles. And we only we only sit with Christian people and we only hang out with Christian people and we only, you know, play with Christian people. We only do things in Christian circles. And and in doing that. We've removed the scripture talks about what good is a light if you put it under a if you put it under a bucket. You know, you've got to take the bucket off and let it shine in the world. And I think that removing ourselves from the world is a is an absolutely wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you talk about living in his righteousness, like I remember you preaching about that, oh gosh, it's probably been six months ago, and just like reminding yourself every day. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the point of living this intentional way is it's a work in progress, right? Like you have to Uh wake up, look in the mirror every day and say like, I'm living in his righteousness. Like I'm worthy of that. And, and it is because of him, not because of anything I could or couldn't do. 
Right. Absolutely. And it's a daily thing. I'm excited right now at the church. I'm, I'm doing a, this teaching on Hebrews. And as we go through Hebrews, I think it's a book that we really tend to steer away from just because there's so much of it we don't understand. But the whole point of Hebrews is just what you said daily. It's never this whole Christian thing is you're never going to arrive. Oh, I've done it. I made it. I'm here. I mean, you, me, uh, Billy Graham, every day we woke up, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. His mercies are brand new today so that I can be, you can be, whoever it is can be what God's called us to be today. And yesterday doesn't have any bearing. And tomorrow may never come. But today is the day. This is the day that the Lord wants me to show up and be what he's called me to be. And, and that uh, will only happen whenever I present myself as righteous. When I show up and I say, God, you are a good God, whatever you want to do today. The other thing that that does is that that is the thing we have. We have. I, I say, you know, I, I make a lot of generalizations about the church, and maybe that's wrong. But here's another one. I think the church <laughs> forever has generalized. So here's how we get away from living sinful lives. Let's build a great big list of things to do and make sure we do those. And let's build a great big list of things to not do and make sure we don't do those. And if we do any of the don'ts, then we can feel really bad. And if we do all the do's, then we can feel really good. That's wrong. Everything about this is wrong. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's showing up, recognizing who I am, who I am in Christ makes me want to steer away from the don'ts and we don't have to worry about making a list of the don'ts we just you know i i shrink it down to to two words and I, I try to explain it to people a lot when i have conversations like this and they say oh so, so ultimately what's the point and i say man i think it's all about chase jesus just chase jesus and and know how good he is what would he do today I can assure you of one thing. He wouldn't go hide in some holy huddle. He may love, he, he does love those people, but he would go in there just to go, hey, why don't you guys get out of this place and go and pack the world around you? Because that's what it's really all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, oh, there's so many things I want to touch on. I'm going to say the first thing I want to touch on is I love the prophetic word that you were given a long time ago and what you talked about in the beginning. And I love that it speaks kind of upon you, but it also speaks on this podcast. And I, I kind of want to challenge it in the way that I want you to be a repeat guest. <laughs> so you'll be here in the harvest. Well, I, I love that. That is, that is, again, another honor that I'm, I can already tell you I sign up for it now. I look forward to it. So I want to talk about, I know you mentioned last week when I spoke to you that you're creating this business. So this podcast is going to talk about many things, right? One of them being faith, but another one being finances and business and entrepreneurship. So I want to touch on yeah. that as well and kind of have you talk to us about your journey and that that's another path of resistance that you have. And yeah. so let's hear about that. Uh, it's a it's a tremendous path of resistance that I think about quitting daily because <laughs> it's just God, it is unreal. So, so my wife and I and her brother started this thing out and, and we bought a franchise. I'm friends with the guy that started this franchise and the franchise is called HTO and it's a, it's a tea and water store, mainly drive through tea and water store. And, and obviously it's a play on words instead of H2O, it's HTO. And, and so you just drive through and get all these 
26, 27 different flavors of just the most incredible tea you've ever had. Sweet, unsweet. In fact, they just came out yesterday with the season, the, the new tea of the season, and they have the new flavor is peach cobbler tea. Ooh, I'm going to so, like that one. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> they're they're all they're so incredible they're fun stores they're they're blue collar man they got country music playing they just feel good in them they're we're yeti distributors you walk in and you can buy any kind of yeti stuff they're just really cool stores so we my wife and i live right outside of marble falls and so the three of us, we bought this franchise, HTO franchise for Marble Falls. And since that time, our builder has come on. We've added him as a partner and we bought two other franchises, one in Taylor and one in Hutto, all areas right around Austin. And so we're, we're just trying to get the store in, in Marble Falls built. And I'm telling you, we've had literally a thousand opportunities to quit, to figure out how to walk away from it, to back out. Um, we've got, we've, we've got all our banking done where we've got a bank loan that would scare the heck out of most people. We've, we've got the land bought and we're just kind of fighting with the city of Marble Falls right now to get our permitting finished. The building or the, the land that we bought had a little building on it. We've got that torn down. We've got the land ready to go, all the building stuff ready to go. And so once the building starts, I mean, we, you know, we're, we're, it's a, it'll be a six month process to get the building built and to get everything in and get it all ready to open up. But we, we bought this franchise in 2000 and we're thinking, you know, six to eight months, we'll have a store open. Well, here we are coming up on 2023. I, I, I said 2000, we bought it in 2020. Not 2000. It hasn't been 23 years. It's been three years. 23 years is a long time. (laughs) It it feels like 23 years. I will say that. We bought it three years ago thinking that we would be open in six or eight months. And here we are three years later and we don't even have a building built. And so it's so frustrating. And, and, you know, adding another partner and just having to make all these, these different business decisions have been difficult, but the reality is we know it's going to be so worth it. We, we know that it is. Ministry, back to the hard things that I was saying initially about ministry, every place that I've been in, I have definitely, that's one of the things that I've done. And, and I don't think this will be a, a, a very exciting thing for a lot of people. I think it'll excite a lot of pastors, if any pastors ever hear any of this. But one of the things that I've done in all the places that I've been is really challenge the way the church looks at and pays their their pastor. Because, you know, I shock myself sometimes some of the stupid things I say, and here's one of those. But, you know, the church, as we've known it, has kind of had a champagne taste, but a Budweiser budget, you know, we, we want great stuff. We want great things, but we want to pay as little as possible. Mm-hmm. So I only say that to say, you know, there was a point in time when I was like, when I, I was like, man, God, I still, I, I love my family, not in a, I, you know, my family and they, they, they know Jesus, they love Jesus and they, and they go after him. And that's the greatest thing in my life. That is the thing that makes me a very rich man. It is. I love that. But I'm also 50 years old now. And I want, I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to see my, you know, 
walk my wife and I into our job at Walmart when we get older and, and hand people carts. Nothing wrong with that. I just, I personally don't want to have to do that. And so I want to be able to have something. And so that's what caused us to go, you know, um, what can we do that, that God would bless outside and, and still do ministry and still be involved? But what else could we do? And so that's how we kind of came up with the idea of opening one of these. And again, we've had literally a thousand opportunities to go, okay, maybe this was a God's will after all and back away. But it take, but I go back to the whole reason you and I are here talking now, why you even gave me the privilege of being a part of this. If I quit, I'm choosing the path of least resistance. And I do not feel to the core of my being that that's the right move to make. I feel like, man, stay the course, you know, and, and, and I wish that I, I wish that I didn't know this. And I don't know if I've taught my wife or she's taught, she's definitely taught me way more than I've ever taught her. But one of the things that she says to me all the time is, I mean, about the time I'm on the edge and I'm just ready to quit. She always tells me, man, cheap is easy. If that's what you want to do, then go ahead and quit because that'll definitely be the easy, easy decision. And what's going to come with it is cheap consequences. So if you want to quit, quit. And I'm like, hey, great, okay, but stop. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's time for some. Yeah, like literally you're living the path of resistance. And everyone, I, I feel like we all know a lot of people that do, but everything that you've said has aligned so well with just the podcast, but also it's such a good message. And I did have a question about something that you said, and I yeah. love that you mentioned it because I wasn't even planning on asking this question, but whenever you said you have changed the way, challenged the way that the church has thought about paying their pastors, I love that. I mean, it doesn't matter what the dollar amount is, right? The idea is the thought behind it because I love mindset. I love growth. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. (laughs) And so one podcast that I listen to a lot is by Kathy Heller. And she really talks about like abundance. And it's like, people have these ideas that they have to be the starving artist. Like if they're doing what they love being an artist, they're starving at it. And I feel like one, that's not how it should be. Like there's ways in this world to find the passion, what you're passionate about and pursue that and not be the starving artist. Like there's ways around that. And just having the abundant mindset of, of you saying, I want to go into ministry. I have this heart for it, but I also have this abundance mindset and um, just talk about like, I don't know how in depth you want to go in that, but more so the mindset behind it of like, how do you talk to these people and say like, this is something of expansion. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to have that beer, the taste, but the champagne or yeah. the champagne budget, yeah. but the beer, I don't know how you said it. I'm butchering Yeah, it, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The champagne taste, but beer yeah. budget for sure. There but you're, here's what that's all connected to. That's all connected to a spirit of poverty. And that's why I say so adamantly to people, stop saying you're an old, dirty sinner saved by grace. What you're doing is you're taking this beautiful thing that God gave you and you're giving yourself a very sorry excuse to keep your old dead ways about you. And that's wrong on every level. And what happens when we don't dismiss that spirit of poverty in in ourselves then we don't dismiss it in our groups. We don't dismiss it in our churches. And uh, ch- churches are, are they, they're known. They want to empower their people. Go be great. Go do great. And yet we turn around 
and in in board meeting after board meeting after board meeting in churches, board members have these kind of conversations. I just don't think we can afford that guy. I don't think I don't like it. I don't think he's worth what he wants, what he's saying. And we're we're discussing how can we pay this pastor, this youth pastor, this children's pastor as low of a salary as we possibly can, and yet get the very most out of them. We want them to come in and put on a quality program but we want to pay them as little as we possibly can. That is everything about that is contrary to the scripture. The scripture says, if the man ruled the house, well, he's worthy of a double honor. And, and if the Lord God is willing to give someone a double honor, we ought to align behind that and be willing to do the same. And so I think if you have whatever the house is, if you see a house and it's real well, whether it's a home, whether it's a church, whether it's a business, I think you, you, you want to see, you want to invite the presence of God into that. Stop treating it like it's a poverty thing and start speaking that double honor and investing that double honor and doing everything you can to invest. I think the church needs the teaching. Look, if we get if we get, let's, if we, let's use the pastor, for example, if we find the pastor that we want to be here, what do we do? Then what you do is you evaluate everything else around you and we go, what, what's honoring among us? Let's keep what's honoring and let's remove what's not. And one of the things that's honoring is let's as a church do everything we can to bestow upon this person a double honor. Let's, let's pay them double. Let's bless them double. Let's invite the goodness out of them and not make it a, a situation to where, you know, they have to figure out that whole, well, I'm, I'm really godly because I got holes in my tennis shoes. God, I just don't believe it. Yeah. And it all goes back to business, right? So I don't know if you can, I'm sure you can speak to this because you're wise, even though the stores haven't opened yet. And I don't know if you have employees yet, but it it works the same way, right? Like I know a lot of people that are like, oh, let's try to hire someone for minimum wage. And it's like, just, you don't understand the impact of paying someone more than they're worth. Like there's, it's a twofold, right? You have a chance that that person's going to take advantage of you and get paid more than what they're worth. But the other side, the, the other side of it is possibility and like beauty right. and that possibility of them being so honored that you would even yep. think to pay them more than what they think they're worth. And then they grow into this like capability of, of, of being more than who they think they are, which that's, that's what people need to grow into, right? Like the possibilities yeah. are endless, especially whenever you believe in God. And there's just, you just have to chase that and you can't, goals are great, but you almost have to have like unrealistic goals because if you have a goal that's so easy to reach, you're going to almost cap yourself at that. So can you, can you talk about kind of, I guess my question or like transition is, um, how have you seen that in business, like rewarding something and then getting blessed, being able to have that become a blessing for you or someone else? Well, I think the spiritual principle behind it, that, you know, let me just say that the world would the world would look at it and say, you know, like karma or whatever. And karma is I'll just be clear. Karma is a bunch of trash <laughs> because the enemy that comes from the enemy. And all the enemy can do, he can't invent anything. All he can do is pervert what the Lord's invented. So karma, I'm not even going to use the word again. I just want to say that principle, more people will understand that principle than the the true biblical principle. And here's the true biblical principle. It's sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is the principle that the Lord set up 
karma is what the enemy has come in and perverted and tries to make it whatever. So I've dismissed the enemy and all of it, the, the ideas about that. But the principle of sowing and reaping absolutely works. He's God. He owns it all. And when we invite him and his power into whatever we're doing, running a business especially, I guarantee you the thing that I will do in that business is I will make sure that I can. Certainly, we want to make a good we want to we want to make a good profit because I'm doing the business because I want to I want to have something I want to I, I like to have nice stuff, too. And I want to you know, I want my wife and I to be able to travel and I want to bless my kids and getting ready to have my first grandbaby. Oh, my gosh, that grandbaby is going to be. My wife, I've been carrying around. She she ordered him a little jacket already. His name is Maverick, Maverick James, and so she ordered him a, ordered him a little Top Gun, a little flight jacket. And so I, we got this little flight jacket. I'm like, absolutely, man! I want to, I want to bless him. I want to give him stuff. I want to, I want to have stuff. I'm do because I have that, and I don't think that's wrong. I don't want to live for those things. I want to live for Jesus, but I don't think that's wrong. That's what's led me to this. So I want to make a good profit in this business, but the way I'll do that is as we hire employees, I want to make sure that they don't, don't they will hear it, but I want to show them, man, this is the coolest place to work that there is. Are the, the people that run this, the people that own this store, they truly love us. They try to, they want to pay us the best that they can. They care about what we're going through in life and they really want to, to pour into us and to make us better. Because guess what? When I do that, when I sow into them, guess what's going to come back to me? Multiply the scripture says. It says if you if you do these kind of things, if you give like this, then God pours it back into your lap multiplied overrunning he pours it into your lap and that's what i'm that's what i believe i want to bless the people i want the people that work for us to go we got the coolest job ever but ultimately i know the the, re, the reality of that is it makes us blessed we're going to receive a a magnified blessing because god works mm-hmm. that's so, so funny that's that the you- answer yeah, that's so funny that you say that because one of like my core values is being ethical. And I truly, I tell people all the time, I truly think that you reap what you sow. And I say that all mm-hmm. the time. So it's great that you Go said on. that principle because it's so true. And it's, yeah. it goes the other way too. You'll reap what you sow if you have like, if you try to get away with the least, you'll you'll reap the least, <laughs> you know? I, I mean, Carly, Carly, here's the deal. The reason the church is struggling across the country is because of the Budweiser budget. Well, <laughs> The reason that they have the champagne taste, that's the God part of them. God wants them to have great things, but you want to, you want to have great, but be cheap, it'll never work. That's the recipe for disaster. And that's why the church is in the state that it's in. If the church would start believing beyond even their capabilities, then they would see the blessing of God flowing into those places and you wouldn't be able to stop it. Because God works and sowing and reaping works. Yeah, it truly does. Yeah. So another question I have for you, and you kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning is what did it look like making the decision to go into ministry for you? And can you tell us your why behind that? Well, we made it early. And so when my wife and I, we were involved, we were super involved in our church. 
and and just a, just a little side side note that we're we were talking about just the other day we're kind of sad about what got us super involved in our church was not the fact that we were in a super lively you know just things were moving things were going great church but we did have super great amazing people around us and we got involved in a young married class sunday school class and and that changed our life. It set it set us on the course to be in love with God and to want to be used by Him. That Sunday school class that we were in absolutely changed our lives. And we're still we still have a lot of relationships with a lot of those people that we were in that class with literally 30 years ago. And we were talking about it the other day because we I, her and I both are convinced that the church threw the baby out with the bathwater when we got rid of Sunday school. I think there was a lot of cheesy aspects of Sunday school that were a good thing to get rid of but when we got rid of the whole program we missed out on really affecting a lot of marriages and our church is a prime example of that you know I was doing a, a young married thing in our church a few I don't know maybe a couple of years ago now and we had a tremendous amount of young couples showing up to that wanting to be a part and yet when you don't have something like that specifically they just tend to kind of disappear so we've, we've kind of messed up in regards to that but to answer your question Cindy and I were involved in a, in a great group of people and we really just thought this is what we want like this Sunday school class this environment this is what we want to be around all of our life you know this we, we this is kind of our holy huddle that I was talking about a while ago but it inspired us to want to go out and to do great things it didn't we didn't just want to keep everything in there it kind of made us want to go out and so um so right when we got married we started working with youth ministry and we, we've done that since and, and we just had our 29th anniversary. And so we've been involved with with youth ministry from the beginning. And we just kind of fell in love with with chasing Jesus and with with living life with other people. And so it's 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 definitely much more my fault than anybody else's. But you know, it, it's brought a lot of difficulties. A lot of the difficulties that came were, were certainly let me be clear about this. A lot of the difficulties I've experienced in ministry were self-inflicted or not just part of the whole uh, path of least resistance deal, but part of if you do dumb things, you're going to get dumb consequences. You're going to reap dumb consequences. And so when you plant stupid things, you can expect to reap stupid things. And I've kind of learned a lot of that through the years too. But anyway, that's how we got, that's how we, it happened in the very beginning. We were blessed. We both had parents that pointed us to Jesus. And so we've, we've chased him for a long time and she just, she just always make, she's always has made me want to chase him even harder, you know? And so yeah. she's inspired a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I mean, just marriages, like you said, you kind of got started with marriages and are like in that marriage class. And it's so yeah. crazy because so many beautiful things have happened since that, you know, since that start and I mean, even if you, you said you've done a lot of dumb things and reaped dumb consequences, but I'm so glad that you kept going on the path of resistance because mm -hmm. look at the beautiful things it's done just in my life and just in my husband's life or our church's life. And it, it, you've like touched so many people in beautiful ways. And that's what, you know, having that intentional life walk with God can do. So that's really cool. And also like with marriages in general, because you talk about like so many marriages in our specific church, but 
it's important to have those, those connections and that those teachings. There's so many, yeah. there's no, there, there's so much lack in that aspect of, or maybe there's not, and I just, ha- I have lack to find it, but there's so much lack in like the good teaching of what a marriage should be like, because it, oh. it comes from God. And uh, literally everyone is affected by marriage. What even, even if you've never been married, hopefully your parents were married and, yeah. or, or they weren't right. And the lack of marriage right. therefore affected you. Absolutely. And so it's yeah. just, that's, that's something that needs to be like revisited. And I feel like taught on that's kind of a side tangent. Cause I know you just had you well, about that for a second, <laughs> but I, I will tell you this and keep this in mind. When you come across someone, I, I, I pray all the time for God to send a really good writer kind of editor into my life because I am not that at all. And I have a book that the Lord's given me that I've written most of it. I just need to get it into the right hands of the right person. But it's about marriage and it's about what God gives us. And it's about what he's done and how it and how it will last forever. I mean, I you know, at the sake of sounding crazy, just because I'm the one that wrote it. But I, I do believe this. I think it's profoundly, profoundly good. I think it's absolutely needed and I need, it burns me on the inside because I need to figure out how to get it out. I'm just not a good author. And so I've, I got to figure out the next step for that, but it's about that. And, and, and so here's one of the other paths of, of, of resistance that comes with that. And Wesley and I were talking about this yesterday, my daughter, she's, she's pretty frustrated because she wants to be married. She has love in her so deep. She wants to be married. She sees all of her friends and she's, you know, all these people that are married and she's like, I just don't know. And she said to me, we, we had this conversation yesterday. She said, I wish sometimes I wished I didn't know everything that I know so that I could just find a husband. Wesson was literally saying that she wished that she just wanted to lower the bar a little bit just because she's ready to have someone. She's just ready to have her person. And, and I, man, anytime you're talk to someone that's in a struggling of a waiting series, waiting period, or, or anytime, let me put it this way. Anytime you talk to someone that is on the path of resistance, there's a part of you that wants to help them off of it. Oh gosh, I love you so much. Let me help you get off of the path of resistance onto the path of least resistance except for the problem with that is I know the consequences are going to be, you're going to have much easier consequences on the path to the least resistance and cheap is easy. And so even though it guts me, it hurts me to tell this girl that it's my baby girl, I love her more than anything, babe, stay the course, do not get out. And so we were actually having a conversation and I was saying, even though it's not the same thing and it's, I don't think it's nearly as strong, I know how you feel on some level because with same thing with HTO, I'm like, sometimes I'm just like, I just want out. I want to figure out something else to do. I want to go a different way. I want to, and Cinda says cheap is easy. I had to say the same thing to Wesson, cheap is easy. And what was cool about it is I was, we were talking while I was at the airport yesterday and as I was getting on the plane, I was talking to God about it and going, God, come on, you could make a permit happen you could make a husband happen what's the deal why is because god i know the scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick and i'm telling you i'm telling you carly i heard god say to me i understand 
And I said to him, I said, do you? Because really, Jesus, what, how do you understand hope deferred? And this is what I heard him say. He said, do you remember reading about the time that I prayed? And I literally asked God, if there's any way, would you take this cup from me? But not my will, but your will be done. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm talking about a tea store and she's talking about a husband, which are big things, but not the kind of big thing that you, your hope was deferred. You were, you know what that's, you've been in that spot. And so I had to back out. I had to kind of remind myself of who I was. And then I, once the plane landed, I called the Wesleyan and I said, hey, let me tell you what Jesus said. And he does know what hope deferred means. And yet he didn't get heart sick. And we just have to trust. And so it's going to be worth it. And so I know it's hard, but you know what? Get up today. You don't lower the bar. We don't look for the cheap way. We don't look for the path of least resistance. We stay right where we are and we wait until God opens up the doors that we know he's going to open. Yeah. It reminds us like the waiting period is that also that path of resistance, right? Because you can take the easy way out and you can have the result you want, which is the husband, but the result you really truly desire, whether you consciously admit it or not, is a beautiful marriage and a marriage that, that represents God and the love he has for us. And you're only going to do that whenever you have that waiting period. And not only that, but that waiting period will make it so much more worth it because then you know what it's like to have prayed for that and waited for that. And then finally have that. And it would make it that much sweeter. So much sweeter. I told her, I said, look, if you want out, then I'll come uh, when I get done in El Paso, I'll come to Fort Worth and we know where Billy Bob's is. I'll take you to Billy Bob's and we can find you a big old pretty cowboy. That's not going to be <laughs> worth anything having. You want to go get one of those? And she's, nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good message that so many people need to hear because I have a lot of friends who are young and in the single waiting period. And it's just, it's tough. It's tough. And they see people like you and Matt and they, inwardly they kind of hate you a little bit for it they're like man I want what you've got yeah it's Matthew and I are not perfect by any means but I've been doing this morning routine where I write down affirmations and say them and the other day I wrote down I've been reading it and it's an affirmation of I'm a loving and giving wife and I pray over him daily and I Mm -hmm. speak words of affirmation over him and I live this way so that other, so that we can live in a way that represents God and other people can, other people and ourselves can enjoy that and see that. And so it's, it was good. I read this book and they were like telling you how to write out affirmations and the why behind it. And so that last sentence, like, so other people can see that. And so that we can see that as well, Mm -hmm. because that's why marriage was created. Yes, man. You nailed it. One of the things that is so big that you just said It's absolutely God does want to use us to whatever it is, our marriage, our business, our church, our families, whatever, grow this tremendous field, nurture these trees, prune these trees and make sure that they produce the absolute best fruit possible and then nourish people around with that fruit. But first, nourish yourself with it. God is about us. He loves us. And so as he nourishes before he nourishes others. And I think that would be challenging to a lot of people, but I would say before he nourishes others, because we use the good analogies in there, Jesus, others, we put others first and all that. I get that, but I can assure you, Jesus cares about you. He wants you to have a great marriage, 
so that you can enjoy it, so that you can partake of that, so that it can be, I'm just going to tell you, I'm 29 years into it. I cannot get over the woman I'm in love with. Man, I'm so blown away by her. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of that. I love marriage and I love to deal and help people with marriage, but it's because I get to sit at that table and have that. And that's the goodness of God, man. And you're able to bless others within that area because you're in the midst of it too. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe this is, you would be able to tell me if this is a biblical principle, but like uh, fill your cup up first. I don't know if that's worldly or biblical, but I feel like it could be tied back. I think it's absolutely, I think it's, it's absolutely what God wants you to do. God wants you to be, he wants us to, to minister and to love out of overflow. So before I get to overflow, I got to first be more than full. Mm -hmm. I can't settle on being full. I want to be more than full so that I can overflow. If you go, and of course, it's a biblical principle. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he had 12 disciples with him. How many baskets, or how many baskets full did they pick up? 12? Yeah. 12 disciples, 12 baskets full. You guys are hungry. These people are hungry. Let's fill them until, not until they get, okay, you've eaten enough. They ate until they were full. And then the disciples picked up 12 baskets. Now, each one of you guys take that basket over. Go fill yourself up too. He's the God of overflow. He loves, again, he said, give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I want to pour it not on the others, but into your lap so that it can flow on the others. Mm-hmm. He's a top-down kind of God. He wants to bless up here and pour into you so that it can overflow and pour into others and continue to do that same thing. Yeah. So I guess it is so good. This has been an amazing conversation. I get, I had this question as a wrap up, but I feel like you already answered it. It's kind of advice for people in that season of the path of resistance. But then when you talked about the waiting period and just keep like pushing through, keep waiting because you don't Mm -hmm. want to lower your standards. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I feel like that you just answered my last question before I asked it. And this is so against my character, but I'll answer that question with these two small statements, man, chase Jesus. And remember that cheap is easy. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I know that you'll be a repeat guest. So I'm excited for you to be in the middle of that harvest. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it too. It'll be cool. Thanks so much for inviting me, Carly. Thank you. Bye-bye. Since Mark unknowingly helped me name the podcast, he obviously had to be the second guest. I'm so glad he was too, because there was so much goodness jam-packed in this episode. Here are the takeaways. Number one. Our enemies and hardships are necessary for us to be our best self. We are called to walk in triumphant victory, but in order to do so, we must first walk through the battle. Number two, life is not a list of do's and don'ts. It is all about chasing Christ. Let's get rid of this list of do's and don'ts and instead go out and unpack the world around us. Number three, Mark talks about starting his franchise business almost three years ago, but the time hasn't come to open the doors yet. Him, his wife, and their business partners have gone through the path of resistance for three years with plenty of opportunities to give up. Mark finishes explaining the struggles with, the reality is we know it's going to be so worth it. Keep this in mind when you're in the midst of struggle. Don't let the world of social media and instant gratification that we live in deter you from your dreams. Number four, Mark talks about having a champagne taste, but a Budweiser budget. 
What that comes down to is the spirit of poverty. It is time for us to dismiss this spirit of poverty in ourselves so that we have the ability to dismiss it in our groups and replace it with the mindset of abundance. Number five, we reap what we sow. If you give in abundance, God pours it back into your lap, multiplied and overrunning. We should love out of overflow, but before you get to overflow, you first have to be more than full. Number six, if you're in a season of waiting, just push through. Do not lower your standard to get a faster result because it will result in cheap consequences. When you finally get what you've been dreaming for, it will be that much sweeter. If you have a different life nugget that you learned today that you really want to hold on to, do me a favor and email me. My email is carly at carlywelty.com. It will also be in the show notes if you need to refer to the spelling. I would love to hear what your biggest takeaway is because I guarantee you everyone will get something different from this episode today. Now, I know this is a long shot, but if you're a publisher or know a publisher and think you can help Mark reach his goal of putting his book about marriage into the world, please reach out to me at the previously mentioned email. I will be sure to get you two connected. And finally, if you can't wait to hear more from this show, please do me a favor and rate and review the podcast. It goes such a long way to spread the word. If rating and reviewing is not your thing, I would so appreciate it if you would share it by texting a friend or sharing it on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can personally thank you. See you next time.